Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello. Today is February the 17th. 2016, we are right in the middle of a historic Black History Month, and my name is Joan Gosier, the host of HBCU Kids Incorporated, and we are on a Black Parent Connect meet and greet for this Black History Month. This is an exciting time that we're in right now. Um, I remind people that for now, this is the last Black History Month that we have a an African-American family sitting in the White House, which it's not sad to me. It's actually exciting. You know, a lot of people say, oh, don't say that, or that's just for now. It's for now, and we don't know what tomorrow may bring, but we do know what we can celebrate right this minute. So that's why I find it very exciting that um, our children have a way to look beyond uh, limitations that have historically been there and can look up and say if they can do it, why not me? And if not me, why not my children? And if not my children, why not their children? And with that spirit, we have two fantastic, I call them edutainers, meaning that what they do are using their gifts and talents to not only educate, but create a form of positive entertainment for the minds of our future dreamers, leaders, and achievers. We have with us Dr. Emily DiCarlo and Renee Rawls, um, both sides of the country. Uh, Renee Rawls hails from Southern California, and she is an award-winning screenwriter. She has traveled the world promoting positive message with an African proverb superhero called Sule, and she's going to tell us about his origins, and as much insight that she can give that will inspire someone listening to dig into Sule. And I have to say, um, my my three-year-old has discovered him, and it is one of her favorites uh, very quickly. Uh, it has replaced Thumbelina and all the other little, you know, quote-unquote children's tales that kids grow up with. Uh, now she says, I want to see Sule. So I am just so tickled with that. And from the East Coast, from the state of Virginia, we have Dr. Emily DiCarlo, who's creating a whole empire world with Miracle Me. Um, It's a healing message. It's a healing mission of a children's book and little children's characters in the form of dolls that showcase the diversity and the beauty of children from all over the world with all different spirits, all different complexions, all different personalities, but they're all loved by God. And she uses this as a tool to minister to many families who have um, brokenness, uh, hurt, um, unable to really articulate love to the children. But through the words in Miracle Me, the book, uh, it gives a whole new narrative, a whole new script for parents and families alike. 
So I am so excited to have both of these creators on our call. And the way we'll do it is we're going to be very relaxed and informal, but um, allow them to really showcase uh, how um, they're being used, these gifts and talents are being used for the betterment of everyone. So um, I'll start with you, Renee. Um, what okay. led you to even enter this world of, of the written word? What led you to write? How did uh, the Sule Project come to be? Well, um, let's see. Sule, I was actually teaching in Atlanta, Georgia. I was teaching high school. And one of the books that we were reading, we were reading Things Fall Apart by Chinyo Achebe. And initially, my students had, like, a few challenges with understanding the Proverbs, but after a while, they began to grasp them. And one of my students exclaimed loudly, and I, I'll just never forget it, Miss Rawls, we're Proverbs slayers, you know, like he was able to understand it. Well, fast forward five years later, I was just walking around the track thinking about my students. By then, I had um, stopped teaching and was writing full time. And I was like, hmm, wouldn't it be interesting to have a 10-year-old proverb detective who helps other kids solve the meaning of proverbs. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm telling this story for inspiration, so initially I wrote it as a children's picture book and sent it to the agents and sent it to the publishers and did all of that stuff. No, 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 no. No kind of response. So I just took the manuscript, didn't give up on it, but just said, okay, maybe not now, and put it in a drawer and went on. And then a little bit later on, I had done a couple of writing programs and there was one I participated in called Tribeca All Access. And long story short, I participated in the program, and then they support their alumni. And they say, okay, we're partnering with the Nelson Mandela Foundation. And if you write a script that speaks to his values of forgiveness and reconciliation, if you do that and inspiring others, and we like it, we'll give you the money to produce the script. So what did I do? Went in that draw, pulled out Soleil, found a proverb, and sat at the computer for like a marathon of 13 hours, banged out the script, sent it in, and in 2010, I began production because I was awarded the money. And so now I have the animated short, the case of the tiny sparks. And earlier, well, last year, I did a Kickstarter campaign to publish, self-publish the picture book. And so that is where Soleil is right now. The animated short is done and the picture book is in the works. Now, I know I've seen feedback on the YouTube where people are asking for more. They're like, this is great. Can't wait to get more. Um, will that will there be more of the, the shorts coming up too? Well, to answer your question, yes and no. Um, no more shorts. The, the animated short is, is just that. And so what I had to do was... Um, adapted into a television program. So what I did two years ago, I wrote a grant and I said to them, hey, you know, I have this episode. I want to turn it into a television program, but I need to go back to, um, I was actually trying to go to Nigeria, but ended up going to Ghana. I need this money to go so I can research the culture more and Proverbs and I just need to submerge myself so I can get more storylines. And sure enough, I was awarded the grant and I got the money I have all the storylines. I have adapted into a TV show. And this year, the goal is to raise the funds, which will be a tremendous amount of money. But I'm not worried about it. It'll happen. This year, to go into production for the TV show. Um, 
you know, I've, I've had um, people come to me wanting to option it and different things like that, but for Sule, it's important to me to hold on to him just a little while longer or as long as I can just to make sure the integrity of the project is maintained because that's really, really important. A lot of people will come to you, have you thought about doing this? And maybe we need to do that. And maybe, and I have a really strong vision for it. It's not that I won't listen to ideas, but um, I really know how I want him to be so that the kids will get the most from him. It's important to hear that, you know, your daughter is like, oh my gosh, too late, too late. It's important hear my nephew say, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like Sule because I want to solve mysteries. And there are kids around the world who are saying, do not question my genius. They're seeing themselves on the screen. And that's really, really important to me. So to answer your question again, yes, it will be a television show soon. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, Dr. DiCarlo, what led you to write? And what do you see as the, the the thing that kind of sparked this particular journey for Miracle Me? Well, I've been writing since I can remember. Actually, I was about six. And I would just write things like Peter and the Magic Lantern. And believe it or not, I, I couldn't write at six because I had an older brother. And he had started to school before me. I would make him teach me how to write, and I started writing on cornbread paper. And it was exciting to me because the paper was brown. It had little specks in it, and this might be before Renee's time. I don't know, Renee, if you had cornbread paper or not. <laughs> but that's how I started writing. And my father, who was sick at the time, would still just encourage me and tell me what I could do. And he was just so encouraging and acted like I was just so talented that I believe it. And when I said I began writing in six, of course, I might have had, you know, a few uh, scribbles on the page, uh, and then it evolved. But he was just so excited at whatever I wrote that I became excited, too. And I would read things to him because, as I said, he was sick. And he would be in his big lazy boy chair, and I would be reading things to him that I wrote. And he would just be delighted. It just seemed to do his soul so good that it did mine good. So I kept writing. I also had uh, polio. My father did pass. He did transition to heaven. And I watched him go through the transition. And he had just prepared me so much for it. I would write a few things about it. I I wrote this poem, you know, about his transitioning and the transition of others because at a young age I witnessed uh, a lot of my family members transitioning. You know, my father at 11 and before that my grandmother at about maybe, uh, maybe I was about two years old. Um, or a little, a little older. I know I was not school age, but I witnessed these things, and they were actually positive because of the way that they transitioned to uh, another life. And I just, you know, felt blessed, really, to have been with them at, at that time. And so 
I would write things like uh, about departure. And, I, you know, I wrote a poem about some of us must leave before the others understand. But we must remember still that flesh and blood is but mortal man. And it, it, it went on to uh, talk about how frail we were. And I wrote that at a young age, you know. It could have been like um, late elementary school. But I had the understanding of what was going on, and God had just given me the grace and the ability to be able to write it on paper. So I what, sparked, what sparked this. Miracle Me? Well, Miracle Me was sparked uh, in 2011. I wrote it on a notebook. It was notebook paper. And I just felt I, I was teaching elementary students at that time, and they were special ed students, and they were just uh, incredibly mobile to make it kind. They were all over the place, and I just uh, felt their energy, and I was thinking how that they could be ministered to through words, and I was faithing to try to set the atmosphere of my classroom with my positive energy, and I would say things to them to calm them down. I had a room full of ADHD students mainly, and some were OCD or obsessive um, compulsive disorder. And then I had some who were just what they call conduct disorder. So I knew the importance of speaking to them and speaking to them in a spirit of love and kindness and of peace and joy. It was so important. And some people would get very frustrated with them and maybe holler at them. My aides would holler, and I would have to, you know, tone them down. But when I sat down to write Miracle Me, I wrote like I would talk to my students in a sense. I, I wrote in love. I wrote in peace. And I wrote in joy. And therefore, Miracle Me was born. And it was born out of the intention to speak life to the spirits of children, to speak into their souls, their hearts, their minds at a young age and even in the womb so that they would feel it. They would feel the essence, the spirit of what you were saying, what you were reading to them, and they would embrace it. They would absorb it into their spirit. So isn't that, that's ironic that both projects were inspired from working with real life children. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, as opposed to, you know, it could have been a thesis project or something like that, right. but you both had the practical hands-on experience of touching the lives directly of children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, so, I knew the power of the spoken word from that, from working with children, and then also from what I experienced. I experienced my father speaking to me, saying to oh, me goodness. that I was going to college. He always said, you are going to college. You are and going where did to you wind up going? To college, to Hampton University. It was oh. Hampton Institute at that time, and it was the same school that he matriculated at and graduated from. That's wonderful. And and Renee, where did you attend college? Hampton. (laughs) (laughs) What a coincidence. (laughs) 
Wow, wow. H-I until the day I die. I heard that. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> now, who would you say is the target audience for your book, Dr. DeCarlo? Everybody, because I have had people who are 80. One, one lady, um, I think she was about maybe 70-something, and her sister was 82. Well, is. They both are still living. But she tracked me down to buy four books. But I thought they were for her grandchildren. I didn't know how many grandchildren she had because she did say that they were for her grandchildren. But then when I asked her how many grandchildren that she had, assuming she had four because she bought four books, she said that she only had two grandchildren, but two of the books were for her and her 82-year-old sister. Mm. And and I was delighted. And then I had another lady to put in an order so that she could give the books to graduating high school students instead of Dr. Seuss's books. She said that she had been giving Dr. Seuss's books the places we will go. And now she was going to give Miracle Me. And I was just delighted about it. That just excited me so much and, and tickled my soul to the bone. For Sule, who mm-hmm. would you say is the target audience? Now, and this is a two-part question for you. Okay. Who's the target audience for the Sule brand, if you will, and then who is the target audience for your upcoming campaign? Because it might be different. Yes. Um, and I, for a while, to, to be honest with you, when I was um, developing into the TV show, it was kind of back and forth and a struggle just trying to see the best audience in terms of students being able to really grasp the concept of Proverbs. That was the... Um, I had to, to base it around understanding of Proverbs and kids and when they're able to understand um, figurative language as opposed to literal language. So in terms of the upcoming TV show, um, initially I was torn between preschool, which is two to five, and the next group, um, level, which I knew about, was 6 to 11. Well, 6 to 11, they usually go for those kind of zany, crazy shows and Two to five is my preschool, so I decided to go with what's called preschool plus, which is like the four to seven year old range. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the show will skew younger and skew older, but that is the audience because at that age, um, particularly probably on the higher end of that, kids will be able to. And the way I'm going to explain it will help them understand proverbs and the meaning of proverbs because we're dealing with critical thinking and I personally don't think you're ever too young to to be able to start thinking critically and Mm -hmm. so you just have to make it make it age appropriate so the way the show is being developed it will target that preschool plus age however um, it will skew younger and older and in terms of the brand kids I'm just going to say kids in general, probably um, from two up until probably 11. And I'm sure, again, I'm sure it is a skew older, but my goal is to have something for each 
age group. So the kids will be able to get something out of it. So whether you're two or four or 11 or eight, you'll be able to understand something and grasp whether it's the moral lesson, whether it's the critical, the understanding of the proverb, whatever it is, you'll be able to get something from it. Okay. Now, would you all uh, either both like to share any things that you think are key for someone that has an idea of something creative that they'd like to put out there to the world, um, but they're just afraid. You know, they may have come up with a rap or they may have come up with a poem or they may have come up with a a book idea or something, and they're afraid someone's going to take it from them, that someone's going to steal it, or, you know, they're just not ready to do anything with it, or they've gotten burned. They did share it with somebody, and then they wound up, you know, regretting that they did that. Did you ever come across that in your creative life so far? And and what suggestions or how would you recommend someone proceed? And let's see, I'll start with uh, Renee on this one. That's a good question. I really, let me say this, I I operate kind of like in two worlds. So, you know, both have the Californians, so you have the whole Hollywood screenwriting aspect of it, and then you also have the publishing world. And from my experience, there are two different worlds. Um, but what one thing that they have in common, of course, is creativity and coming up with content and sharing it. And that's the key thing. You, you have to share your work. I know there's a fear factor in there, and I understand that. Um, but the best thing to do is protect your work. So you protect it um, by registering it with the copyright office, and um, then you put it out there. And what, from my experience, what I've learned, and let's say I create something and then I look on television and it's the same idea, something similar, I have learned to be so okay with that. And so I say to myself, okay, then that must mean that I need to push my idea in another direction or change the concept to make it better in terms of um, what I'm looking to do or make it a little bit sharper. So that's how I approach it. Um, Ideas are out there, and um, it's about the execution of it. And there's space and room for it all. That's the way I look at it. And so, so yeah, don't be afraid because the world is, is, is ready to receive your work. And um, if God has given that idea to you, then go ahead and, and express it, protect yourself, but go ahead and put it out there so that we can receive it and so that it can do the healing, it can do the teaching, it can do what um, it needs to reach the people that it's been destined to reach. It's just not fair if you just hold on to it and don't share. We want you to share Amen. your work. <laughs> Amen. Um, Dr. DeCarlo, for you. Well, I love what Renee said. You can't be too guarded about your work. It is meant to be shared with the world. Somebody needs what you have, whether it is rap or a song, a poem, a book, whatever. Somebody somewhere needs that, and you created it for that someone, even if you didn't even know who you were creating it for. I love creating. I I love the excitement of creating. I love putting it out there in hopes that it will reach someone and change their lives. 
I, I want it out there, and I'm not guided about it because no idea really belongs to any one person. I may have uh, a concept, but that concept is not just germane to me. I want to inspire children and children of all ages, and I want to inspire grandparents, and I want to inspire parents. But I'm not the only one with that idea to want to inspire. Renee wants to inspire the world. She wants to inspire children. And we both have the same concept. But she has Soleil, and I have Miracle Me. But we both have the concept of speaking to children, to shifting their worlds to the positive. The concept is the same. So I can't say, well, this was just my concept. And Renee can't say, well, that's my concept. You can't speak to children. You can't put anything out there to speak to children because I'm doing that. No, the concept actually is universal. So I don't have the fear that somebody will take Miracle Me because Miracle Me even though I'm the vessel, it is for the world to enjoy. It's for the world to feed upon. It's for the world to feel inspired by. So I'm not guided about it in answer to your question, well, you know, what should you do about your work? I say go for it. Put it out there. Of course you want to protect it. Of course you want to get the necessary copyright, but you can't have that fear. And I I'm a person who has witnessed someone taking their work and using it and not being able to get any credit for it. But I said, so be it. I wrote a story in college and sent it off. And I saw it on the Children's Miracle Network. Mm. And I knew it was, I mean, it was identical. They did not work to disguise it. It was my story. And some of the words were verbatim to what I had written. But I did not feel in any way I was I was amazed at it. And my amazement stemmed from me thinking, Wow, it was that good, you know. That's what I was gonna say. That to me is you know, when they say imitation is flattery, you know, from I say when you're a rookie, you feel like, no, that's not true. That's not flattering. But when you get experience that God gives you things and he gives other people things, and it's all for his glory in the end. Right. That, you know, it just feels like, okay, that's confirmation. I did a good thing because nobody else thought so. (laughs) I looked at it like, wow, you know, and I was young in college and I hadn't sent anything off. I was, I was guided about my work at that time and guided in the sense that I just thought it was personal and I didn't write it to put it out there as I was growing up. And I had a whole pile of work that I put together in my first book so you can know me. But that was because students made me. They When they knew I could write, they made me put it into a book. They said, you've got to put this in the book. This, this is so inspirational. So mm-hmm. I did it then, you know, even though I was shy, 
and I mm-hmm. really didn't want other people to really know who I was. I named my first book so you can know me because I knew that if they did read the poetry, they would know me. What was the name of your first book? So you can know me. So you can know me. And oh, that was so you in nineteen. Okay. Yes, that was in nineteen seventy six, and it was my early works from my young years up to college age. Oh, is it out of print? Is it available? Where um, I'm I'm going to revise it. I I didn't have it. I did not have not one copy. I had sold the copies. Hampton Institute had printed it for me. Another a friend, one of my best friends, designed the cover, and she had little silhouettes of faces on the cover. And Mr. Lipscomb, who was the director of the printing press at that time, thought it was just fantastic. And so he put it together. He, he produced the book, and I sold it. He sold the book, and I did not – at that time, I was selling it for, like, three dollars and I was going out to different colleges they were sending for me they were contacting Hampton for me to come out and visit their English classes and share the book and and share my inspiration with them what inspired me to write that's that's amazing where can um um well before I get to that part is there anything that you can share with our listeners, people listening to the recording, um, about Sule, and where else can they get additional information? Um, how can they help with the funding for the show, or, or what? How can they get involved? Okay, so there are a couple of things, and thank you for asking. Number one, my website. Um, if they have people who have not seen the um, video or the, the short film, can go to my website, um, www.sule, that's S-U-L-E, series.com. Again, that's suleseries.com. And in terms of the funding, I have not um, completed the organization of it just yet, but what I do, it will definitely be on my website and people can contribute towards the financing of the actual television show. And so that will be coming up. My goal is to launch that in March, March 1st. And so, again, yeah, yeah, March 1st. And it's not, I'm, I'm not, you know, I've done Kickstarter campaign for the book, and that was wonderful. I think this is going to be what I would call like a soft campaign. It won't be a deadline. It won't be anything that intense. It'll be just me contacting people directly and asking for contributions towards the show. And as soon as we get to a certain amount, we'll go into production. Because just so you know, I had an opportunity to go to South Africa. Um, It's called Discop Africa, and basically it's where they buy television programs. And people were like, we want this show. When, when can we get this? So the audience is there. I'm sure the audience is here as well. So it's a matter of just getting that content. And the goal, without a doubt, it's a non-negotiable for me, is to go into production this year with Soleil. So that's how people can help. Go to the website, check out Soleil, um, and check out 
in March, goal again is March 1st, to see how donations can actually be made. Excellent. Um, can you share just, a, I, I know it's a lot, but okay. as, 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 as well as you can in a short okay. period of time, the little one, the Sule fan is trying to get in here. <laughs> Your experience in Africa, how would you describe it? Uh, uh, um, I, let me say this. The first time I went, I went to Ghana, and um, this is hard to explain, but I'm going to do my best with the first experience that I had. I did not know I was operating under a level of oppression until I went, and um, it was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, because it's a difference. And I don't know if people understand this, but when you go and you see the affirming images on billboards and you experience that, it's almost like oh, you're able to. I didn't even know I needed that. I didn't know I needed that. And when I got there, it was like, oh, thank you. And um, subsequent trips have been just as mind-blowing and just as beautiful. I um, had a chance to teach um, screenwriting and some other courses in Nigeria last year and, again, went to South Africa and had that experience. And I have to tell you this experience about Nigeria. So while I was – and I'm going to do it quickly. While I was in South Africa, I met a group um, from Nigeria. And they said, oh, okay, so you're you know, in our country – we're having a children's programming um, conference coming up, and we want you to come and speak. And so I said, okay. I just kept saying yes because, you know, I was on a budget, and I wanted to say no. But I said, you know what, just say yes, just say yes. I said yes. And so I prepared a presentation, and I talked to them about Soule, and I was letting them know I had a Kickstarter campaign going. And while I was on stage talking, I looked at my phone, and somebody from the audience had donated $125. But and I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But let me tell you what was even more amazing. So after it was over, a woman said, meet me downstairs, because they had seen the images of Sule and they had heard about Kickstarter. She said, meet me downstairs. I said, okay. And I went down there. I didn't know what she wanted, but I kept saying yes. I kept saying yes. And so I went down there. And she was like, um, I heard what you said about needing $900 more. And that woman put nine crisp. $100 bills in my purse, in my purse, wow. and so this will help you reach your goal for Kickstarter. And I immediately went into my ugly cry. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah, it's the moment I gave it to someone. I said, hey, I'm, you know, you take the cash, donate the money, credit card, and I did it immediately, and it took me way over. Um, what I was looking to to earn from the campaign, and it's just a matter of just keep saying yes, just keep saying yes. So <laughs> Africa has been spiritually feeding me on every trip that I've been on. So to answer your question, it's been amazing because it's been this spiritual journey that I know will continue for years to come. Amen. Amen. And we're still trying to create that home. So the home away from home from home at after yes. 2020. That's our, our prayer and our vision is that yes. everything you got to experience on the real continent, you'll get to experience just a couple of miles away from home. 
Yeah. And Africa 2020. And Dr. Carlo, now I'm a question for you. Um, can you, is there a chapter that you can read um, or some place that you think is the most important message for a parent to hear? And then um, if you can share uh, any influences you've had from, I know you've, you've been out of the country, um, Africa, China, what, what would you say has been, um, I would say, your experience and how that's impacted um, this message that you have? Well, I'm excited because um, when I talked, uh, well, listened to uh, Renee, I uh, heard her talk about uh, Sue and her woman television show I uh, last year. I wanted to launch Miracle Me and did not have all the funding. And I was just so excited about Miracle Me, and I am going to have Miracle Me teens, Miracle Me uh, kids, and Miracle Me adults because I want to inspire, you know, like I said, everybody. And I do want that television show. And I did have a launching. I did not have a great audience in uh, America. At the library is where I wanted to launch it, but I didn't. But I'm 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 very exhilarated about it. I just feel very excited because I know that once I get all of the funding, that it is going to be something that's going to really, really excite people to come into their own, to embark upon their own journeys, their own individual journeys, and to connect all of us and keep us from being so divinely separate that we will be able to connect our divinity. We'll all connect together. And then in answer to the question about how going to another country impacted me, I was listening to Renee, and I know exactly what she was experiencing. You feel so affirmed when you go to another country. I went to China. And the people treated my daughter and me like we were rock stars. They were taking pictures with us. They wanted to touch us. And they were just so excited to see us. And I was excited to be seen, you know. (laughs) Like, wow, they really are into us. And they are not ashamed to be into us. They wanted to touch our hair. They wanted to ask us questions that we speak Chinese. And it was just so affirming. You just felt like, wow. Now, this was China, a, a oh. place that I had never been before. And I went there in 2011, I believe it was, at the summer. And I, I, will, never, I will never, ever forget it. I, I climbed mm-hmm. the Great Wall. And that just made me feel, I mean, I just had a sense of awe. I'm on the Great Wall that I read about, you know. And I was like, wow, I just wanted to just just soak it all in. And I would stop walking and just sit and just say, I'm on the Great Wall. I'm on the Great Wall. (laughs) And I had seen pictures of it in the books, and we talked about it in history because but I was on the Great Wall. Oh, and wow. that changed my life so much going to China. You know, I have never been to Africa. 
But it was in my heart to go to China. I, I love that country. I love their culture because the people are so humble, and they don't mm. want to do anything to make you lose face. They don't want to lose face, but they want to protect your dignity. And they are dignified people, even though they are so humble and they are caring and they are very smart. They mm. do all kinds of amazing things over there. And at that particular time, the World Expo was over there. Mm. And so there were people from all countries at the Expo. And we walked through the pavilions, and, I mean, it, it really was life-changing. And let, let me rewind a minute, because even before I went, I had to be debriefed. I was told that I could not go over there acting American, being arrogant and thinking that I knew everything, as Americans are sometimes thought to act. You know, like, we, we think we know everything, and we always have to make a comment. And they said, don't go over there and do that. And I thought, wow, we do do that in America. We don't have to have an opinion about everybody. If we don't like somebody to say it, we have to say it. If we don't like what you do, we definitely have to let them know. They said, don't go over there and do that in China. So that really impacted me a, a lot, you know, about boundaries, like setting about, and uh, everybody's business is not your business. Mm. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let me ask you, is there a mm-hmm. chapter in um, Miracle Me um, that you would like the audience to hear, or a couple of pages? Uh, oh, I know okay. it's short, you know short what? Um, if possible, I would like uh, for Renee uh, to go first. Mine is not as long as hers, probably. And so <laughs> I definitely had wanted her, if possible, to go before me because I, I don't need that much time to do mine, and she may need a little bit okay. more time, if that's okay. That's fine, Renee. <laughs> well, is there anything that you would like to um, excerpt? Well, let me say this, because mine, there are two parts. Well, mine is it's um, the short film, so that's something that um, people will have to go online and see. And in terms of the picture book, it's actually a seek and find picture book. And oh, so, Yes, it's not something that, um, it's not a story that you're necessarily going to read. Oh, I Yeah, Proverbs and Seek and Find, and it's a marketplace, African marketplace. So, you know, it's like, okay, these are the images you need to find, and it will help you solve and understand the meaning of these particular Proverbs. Oh, oh, and and the Proverbs. And when did you say the book will be available? The goal right now, um, I'm aiming for June. I'm aiming okay. for June. Um, but I'm a, this is my first time self-publishing a picture book. And so oh. I'm not sure exactly how long it's going to actually take, but that is the goal for now. But Do you have so, the same graphic people that you did for the um, the short? Yes. The, the woman who actually created the characters for the short she is my illustrator for the picture book. Oh, great. And I know they're going to wow. be fantastic. They're going to be fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I am just um, thrilled at you. And just so, I mean, I am very proud to meet you, Renee. 
Before you go, make sure you give us a, a taste of Miracle Me. Okay, I'm going to do it right minutes. now. <laughs> I'm ready right now. Um, okay. it, it, the book Miracle Me has a lot of um, illustrations, and I was uh, fortunate to be on ABC News, and I think you saw that clip. It's on my page, uh, Joan. Okay. Um, did you see that clip? But anyway, yes. I was mm-hmm. fortunate to be on there, and I was, I'm always just so surprised at the reception of Miracle Me. And and the, um, Amy, the beautiful reporter or interviewer who um, questioned me about the book, who interviewed me about Miracle Me, was just so impressed with the illustrations, and I was surprised because I went and searched through all the free illustrations I could get because I really could not at the time afford the um, illustrations of artists. And a lot of people who are so gifted would like to do it, but they, because of their gift, and they would need money too, I was not able to pay them. But I would like to say that Miracle Me does have some beautiful illustrations, and I love them because they speak to children. They're very colorful. Uh, Let me just do a few pages. My Miracle Me Creed, that's what it says on the um, title page. And it starts, I am a miracle. Wondrously and marvelously made, I am a miracle. Endowed with incredible, limitless power and ability. Endless. I will dream big, love big, and give big. Because the world needs who I am and what I have to give. But I am a miracle. Miracle me. Wherever I am or wherever I come from, I am a miracle. Miracle me. Whether I'm big or small, short or tall, move real slow or swift and quick, walk with wheels, a limp or a stick. Yes, I'm a miracle. Miracle me. Whether I have brown eyes, green or blue, yellow skin, red, chocolate, or any hue. Whether I live in the east, north, south, or west, or whatever continent, I am joyful and content. And I'm going to read one more page. Whether I have a little or a lot, I'm satisfied with everything I've got. Whether I have a great big house or live in a tent or a hut, have a large dog or a little pup. I may have many dollars or no money at all. May sit in a king's chair or in a little stall. I'm a miracle with lots of love around me. I am as happy as can be. For I know I am a miracle. Miracle me. And I'm stopping there at page eight, but That's wonderful. I <laughs> That's very inspiring. Yes. 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 Well all just all children and even in the womb, just to feel that because as you yeah. read the words, you know, to, to you know, it, it brings excitement when when I read Miracle Me to children. And I see them get excited and, and, and get tickled, and they're pointing to the pages and the little colorful pictures. You know, that just really excites me because I know it's touching their spirits. And one lady mm-hmm. ordered it for her daughter, 
who is pregnant. And she um, said, I want my daughter to read this to her baby in her yes. stomach. Yes. And that just moved me because that's one of my desires for people to even start there, even before the cradle, to speak, yes. to get in touch, to reach their children, to make the connection. Even with the little embryo, with the little fetus, you're making a connection. You know, mm-hmm. and I can envision uh, a mother just holding her stomach and rubbing it and speaking to the life that is in her, speaking life to life. Yes. Where can they um, get your book and um, where can they get in contact with you? And then we can get com. And, Renee, would you also, um, would you like Black Parent Connect to put your short um, YouTube up on there? Okay. That's one way. We'll make sure that they have a link back to you. And, Dr. Carla, where can they get Miracle Me and order it? Well, of course, they can get it from Black Parent Connect. And it is $12. And I am just so glad that I can produce it and offer it for $12. And it is also available from my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash you are a miracle. And it's just that. It's the letter U, the letter R, A, miracle. You are a miracle. Facebook.com, you are a miracle. And like I said before, you can get it at Black Parent Connect, and also you can call me. Um, mm-hmm. My number is 804-605-7227. I will repeat it, 804-605-7227. And I also want to, I want to start a Kickstarter campaign because this whole concept is huge. I, I have one Miracle Me doll already called Tickles. It's Miracle Me Tickles. And she's a cloth doll, so cute. And um, making more so that people can have one big prototype. But all of the dolls are, they're, they're not large, you know, as my big prototype. That was just like an example, a model to uh, work from, just for inspiration. But uh, I'm very proud of uh, Miracle Me Tickles, and she is going to be marketed or offered um, just in it, really uh, a few, I would say, days, you know, because it's coming up about the first part of March, and, and that's not that's not far. That I really will be offering mm-hmm. her, and people can uh, get her for, for their uh, girls, and I will have some. Um, dolls from China, and also some of the origami dolls from China that I'm working on with, with my hands. And I found out, wow, I can do this. And I, I felt so, you know, it's like giving birth almost, like you're so excited. And when it turns out so great, it has the number of toes you wanted to have and the number of fingers. And you're like, wow, thank you, God, this turned out like I wanted and then my other project is a dollhouse, and I actually have a person who created a cloth dollhouse. 
so that he can house the miracle me dolls. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, and it's just exciting. Uh, her name is Mickey Blow. She's on Facebook, but she is so fantastic. And so I collaborated with her for the dollhouse. And I, I think you see her sometimes on uh, Facebook, Joan, but it's Mickey Blow, B-L-O-E. And she okay. is so gifted. She does all kinds of dolls. Uh, well, she had never done the cloth dolls. That's the one that you met. You met me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first she was like, I don't think, I can't do that, and a whole lot. But then she got excited. She caught my excitement, and she did a cloth dollhouse. That's what I can do. I can do for you, for Miracle Me. So I'm excited about that. And all of these will be in the catalog. The whole uh, Miracle Me, just the whole miracle. The whole miraculous. Well, when you get your GoFundMe or Kickstarter or um, I forgot the other one, whatever the crowdfund is, just let us know and we can put a link to it so people oh, can great. support the vision and move forward. Okay. Cause well, our time you... went fast. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just so excited. I'm and, so excited to hear what, you know, uh, Renee is doing. And I just feel that I connect with her, too, just like I connect with you in the spirit. And I just want to encourage her, too, you know, to yeah, go forward. Yes, yeah. and I want to tell you, any advice you need or direction for Kickstarter, just let me know. I have been through the process, and I'm willing to share whatever I know. Thank you so much. I am yeah, we're gonna put your Kickstarter. Even in the past, we're going to put it up there. Is that okay? So people can get an idea. And yes, see, because you did a yes. great job with the video and with the kids involved and all of that. It was a, it was a great Kickstarter campaign. One of the Thank best you. ones I've seen. I worked hard, Joan. I'm not even going to downplay it. I worked very hard. You know, I love what you just said. I'm not going to downplay You know, I, I just think that is so awesome because yes. I have felt sometimes like, the pressure to small myself up, you know, when it comes to a song, you know, uh, quote, small myself up, unquote, because there's not a whole lot of people just, I think, in, in this area that's, you know, doing, like, Joan, Joan is Africa in 2020, and she does P-Tag, and she's doing Black Perry Connect, and just so awesome. You know, and I just love communicating with her. But sometimes I feel like I have to kind of suppress it, though, you know, because people might think that you're plotting and you mm-hmm. think you're this and think you're that. But I would mm-hmm. think that over in California, we have so many creative spirits. Yeah. That's the land of creativity. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I almost yeah. want, to, want to go, you know. <laughs> Well, Renee, um, before we go, share the fact mm-hmm. you're not originally from Los Angeles. You made that your home for your career, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. I'm originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which actually is where I am now, <laughs> back in Florida, Joan. Um, okay. Yes, and I've lived in Atlanta as well, And but when I got into the writing program, I moved out to L.A. and never left, and it's been 11 years. It's been 11 years, and um, I love it. 
And it's home until it's home until something else, you know, until I'm led to move. That's what I say all the time. Yeah. I said it's still dark tells me to go somewhere else. <laughs> well, I have enjoyed um hearing this, you ladies both and you've inspired me. I hope the the listeners who listen to the recording it's twenty four seven, it'll be three sixty five, um, on the blackparentconnect.com, dot com as well as under the um, community blog, it'll be there permanently, as well as the information about, um, you know, it's a way for people to contact you, share comments, feedback, thoughts, ideas, and connect, most importantly. And um, if there's any closing comments that anyone would like to say, um, feel free, and then we will say goodnight. Well, I would like to say, and I don't want to talk all the time from Renee because she just has a bucket load of things, too, to say, and they are just so inspirational. I want to give her time, too. But I I just wanted to say also, you know, a couple of things about the um, other things I'm doing. I, I, you know, don't know so many evangelists, and I love to touch the hearts and lives of people and let them know there's hope in Jesus Christ. And then also... The Grant DiGallo Institute. Um, I'm going to do a Kickstarter program for that. I thought that I would be moving into a building in downtown Hopewell, March the 1st, and then I discovered through email that the owner had rented the building to another person. And I think he already knew that he was going to do that because my mentor, my business mentor, had told me she thought that building was already rented. But he didn't say that. But the person who was negotiating said, oh, yeah, he was interested in the deal, and we were going to sign two weeks before March 1st, and we would be able to go in during the, I think it's some big festival that's coming downtown. I think the end of um Yes, the 100th uh, anniversary. It's the 100th oh, anniversary. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in, anyway, you know, I'm going to be quiet because I want to give Renee a chance, but I just wanted to throw that out there, too, because I'm uh, a person who wants to do every dream that God has given her. Whatever God has given me, and those are the three things I, I feel that those are my, my missions, you know, uh, evangelizing. My, my mission of uh, being a poet and a writer and putting Miracle Me and some of my other works out there to inspire the world. And then third, the Grant DiCarlo Institute for the Healing Arts, because I grew up sickly with polio. And then in my 30s, I was um, completely healed. Everything just kicked in. Wow. And I'm doing wonderful. And I just thank God That's for that. And I have just all this energy wherein, you know, when I was younger, I didn't always have it. And so now, thank God, and I'm glad he's led me on a journey in which I can give back and share what he's taught me and also what he's still teaching me with the world. And you're a licensed minister. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, I was licensed in 1998. And right. uh, first, um, my initial sermon, but not the church that I uh, the first church I preached in, but my initial sermon was in Hopewell. And then I spoke after being licensed at the church where Joan is now, when she's okay. to uh, help the people. She's doing a fantastic job there. And I was delighted they asked me to come and do the Women's Day there. 
And, uh, you know, and I remember uh, wanting to inspire the women, you know, to move up, and I used the uh, text of the dry bones that women are uniting to make dry bones live. That was my title, yeah. and that was in 1998. But wonderful. I want to give you a chance now. All right, and Renee, <laughs> any closing comments? Yes. Yeah. Um, I just want to say, in terms of Sule, well, let me back up. I love creating content for kids, and that's what I do. So beyond Sule, I've created other projects. Um, and But I want to, of course, talk here on this platform about Sule and ask for listeners to support Sule in any way possible. So, you know, financially, if you're able to support, that is great. If not, spread the word. To me, People knowing about Soleil is just as important, if not more important, than the financial support. So when you hear this telecast and you hear about Soleil, Google it. Go to the website. Go to um, Joan's website and look it up and watch the YouTube video and share it with someone else. So those are the two things that I ask if you're able three, if you're able to support financially when it's time for the TV show to be um, to go in production, that's great. If not, support by spreading the word or do both if you're able to. And with that being said, ladies, it was a deep, deep, deep honor and pleasure to share this platform with you, and I thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. And good night, everyone. Have a blessed Black History Month 2016. Till next month, peace <laughs> and soul. Good night. Man. <laughs>
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.